BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Kim Fox is a proven progressive reformer, fighting gun crime, enacting bail reform, and expunging records from the failed war on crime are a few of her achievements. It takes more than three years to fix the broken justice system. Look at her record, not the rhetoric. Re-elect Kim Fox for Cook County State's Attorney. Paid for by Friends for Fox. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. All right, everybody, we're ready for hour number two. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, March 17th is just moments away. Ben has washed his hands. He's good. Everybody, live stream audience, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, before we get into hour number two, we'd like to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, not Aerosmith, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this show. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show, hour one and two for Tuesday, March 17th is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's do this. It is Tuesday, March 17th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Bendrowski Show. this hour of the program it's the return of our good friend mark sims and it's the ben Jarofsky show live debut of henry davis jr 
And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Mark Sims with us on Facebook Live or some kind of thing. I don't know what it is. Mark, you're coming in loud and clear, correct, sir? Do you hear me? Yes, sir. You sound okay. beautiful. It's weird, man. It is weird, isn't this? Isn't it weird not having you in the studio? The whole thing. I mean, we talk on the phone sometimes, but uh, I'm talking through my uh, podcast equipment. But the whole thing is bizarre. But Ben, but ben your, your buddy uh, uh, Dennis helped me out. He, he walked me through this process. I was scared. And he held my hand and we got it done. <laughs> That's a it's lot. It's going to be okay, Mark. <laughs> I got you, buddy. I'm so sensitive. <laughs> you know, uh, Mark, we're in the, in the middle of one of these famous things where I do a flip-flop. Okay? I could feel, you know, I always talk about like on certain issues, I'm a flag blowing in the breeze. So on the whole issue of whether there should have been an election today, I feel myself starting to flip-flop. When the day began, I was saying, yeah, there should be an election. We got it it together. Get it over with. Let's move on. This this coronavirus is serious. I'm glad uh, the governor has had it and done. Let's move on. So in other words, you're saying get it over with. That's right. I voted by mail. That's what you have to do, people. Vote by mail. Yeah. Voted by. Yeah. So you didn't even bother. You You didn't even have a fear. Oh, of course. Well, I, well you know, <laughs> you know, being, we're talking about being in the studio. This coronavirus is very serious. There's probably a lot of people who want to come down to see you in the studio live, live. <laughs> because the folks don't know because they're they not in the studio. When, when Ben's guests come in the studio, listeners and viewers, they come in and give Ben a big kiss in the mouth. <laughs> it's so cool, but you can't do that now. You can't do it. No more kisses in the mouth. Uh, yeah, no more kisses in the mouth. And when Mark Sims comes in the studio, he usually brings goodies. Uh, we you know, all those cookies you brought last time, Mark, all gone. You Damn. know, all gone. Greedy uh, bunch of uh, guests. I was gonna, right. I, you know, I was told Dennis last night I was going to uh, bring a case of Corona beer. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I get it. I don't, I don't like Corona, but Dennis says he likes it. So I have to think about it. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, so uh, now you're always saying that things are different on the south side there and the north side, but coronavirus affects the south side as well. Is that correct? Yeah, but, yeah, but when we were talking last night, you told me, hey, hey, Mark, I got to go for a walk around the block. I'm going to walk outside. Yeah. I don't walk where? <laughs> I don't walk outside my neighborhood. Hell no. I hear Auburn Gresham? No way. The only people I see walking in this neighborhood out here in Auburn Gresham is uh, I'm near Auburn Gresham in Washington Heights to be exact, not too exact. Uh, so the people who have to walk, if you don't have to walk, you're in your car. The only people that walk, the people that have to walk to the bus stop, I have to walk to the store or some people say the store, they got to walk to the store. And other, other than that, you don't walk. So seeing you walking in Lakeview, I get it. No, you were but, laughing at me. Yeah. 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 You're like, damn, you can go for a walk in your neighborhood at night. Shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, the deal was I had been inside all day. I was really starting to lose it. I had to get some fresh air. So I said, Mark, I'm going for a walk. And boy, did you walk? You can't. Oh, hell no. Walk. Night? No way. <laughs> it really wasn't that dark out. But I was walking at night. I uh, ended up going down to the uh, Jewel, which is very intense these days, going to the Jewel, uh, to the local grocery stores. People are just vibing in a strange way, Mark. You know, the, like this, this is a competition for food and items that people hoard so you get that vibe then there's the fear that you're getting too close you're invading my space there's that vibe and then there's just in general uh the 
well, I, I have issues with this. The people who kind of like aren't even aware that other people around them, which contradicts everything, and they're just sort of wandering through the jewel. You ever notice that? Like the people in a store that, that are like, they're just not aware of anyone around them and are just wandering. So between the people who are hostile and the people who are just wandering and people like me who are worried about germs, it's an intense place. Uh, Benny, Benny J., I can't afford Jewel. <laughs> I'm in the Aldi, okay? <laughs> okay, well, it's the same vibe there, isn't it? No, but you know, I, the other day, I, I missed the memo. I think the president spoke last week. I don't know what day, Monday, Tuesday, whatever it was, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And you go into Costco, and remember, I just go to Costco get gas. But, I, but they do have some good stuff inside, some good snacks that I bring into the show. Yes, you do. But the, but the, uh, the, the shelves were freaking empty. You went to Aldi. The f- shelves were empty, and I, I, it, it, it just—I didn't get the memo. I said, "Okay, I know it's serious, but they got the memo, and it's almost—it was like the folks are getting ready for the zombie apocalypse." Yeah, it's—it's it's not good. And no offense when I say your president, your president is not doing a good job calming us down. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, I. I feel I've said this on the air that he's the absolute worst president I've ever lived through. And I, so like yesterday I was I was watching him. I watched the full press conference. I don't know if you saw that, uh, Mark, but it seemed as though he this is one of those Donald Trump moments where Donald Trump is trying to be responsible and mature and non-political. So he. He like he's acting at it. And while he's doing it, you get the feeling he's saying, look, I could do this. And that he's going to make fun of it uh, at his next rally, whenever that is, you know, in front of his followers or his next tweet. Uh, so I never really have the sense that the man is really in command. It's like an act at best. Uh, and so that was my general reaction to Donald Trump's performance yesterday. And then, of course, it does not leave me particularly inspired that that he is in charge. What's your thoughts? Uh, well, the experts say this coronavirus is real. People are going to get uh, it's going to sp- spike or go up for a while and people are going to be running to the hospital. And uh, I don't it doesn't really bother me per se. I don't really get fearful until I see President Trump and Vice President Pence speaking. When I see them speak, I get worried, <laughs> really worried. And the other thing is going to the, the, you got two problems. The virus is real. People are going to get sick. Uh, people are going to die. Most people may get it, may not even know they have it, and may not get a lot of symptoms like that. Who's that young man who's a basketball player, Rudy Gobert? Yeah, Rudy Gobert, yeah. I never even heard of him until you start touching the microphones and stuff. Like, whoa, look at this dude. Yeah. So, but the point is that it, it's, it's going to go, it's going to, we're going to get through this, hopefully. <laughs> but this economic collapse, if this, if, if these bars are shut down, because I'm in the gig, I'm in the gig economy. Ain't nobody giving me nothing, man, unless the uh, governor, uh, uh, what's his name? What's the governor's name? Pritzker. Pritzker. If JB give me some money, I'm cool, but I don't, I'm not getting anything. And, you know, most Americans can't come up with $400 for emergencies. I'm sort of one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and so after a week or two of this, you're talking about uh, an- another widespread panic and a coming economic collapse. And uh, Trump and Mnuchin is giving money to the corporations, but they they talking about this $1,000 check they might give them, some of that UBI that Andrew Yang talked about. Yeah. But we'll see what happens because if this lasts go on until April, whatever, April 2nd, April 5th or whatever, it's n- it's not going to be fun, people. A lot, see, some Americans are doing just fine, but I don't know, 30, 40 percent of us are really paycheck to paycheck. There's going to be some weeping. There could be some weeping and gnashing of teeth in a few weeks. Yeah. 
Now, Mark, are you, uh, are you able to to do any driving at all, or are you staying home? Oh, I, I, you know what? I I have to stay at home. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I wasn't really scared. It doesn't really bother me. I take a lot of vitamin C, people. I don't know. I don't know how to really protect yourself other than doing vitamin C and some Correct. other things. And thank you. Uh, <laughs> Mother, <laughs> Mr. Mother, no, it's some other stuff. You know, I like going to the conspiracy theory doctors, and and I, they are serious. But you have to wash your hands. You got to boost your immune systems if you have a compromise, or if you are an older American, yeah. like Jimmy J, <laughs> over sixty years old, who talks a lot about his age and how old he is. Yeah. And I'm sort of glad you kept me away from the studio because I don't want you uh, getting my virus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we got to watch out for our elderly uh, talk to hosts. <laughs> Like Benny J, over 60 years old. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, Jay Marie was teasing us at one of our listeners. I talk a lot about millennials, but in, in defense of millennials, they've been very gracious to me. Ben, you're a little, you're older. Stay at home. Don't see anybody. Uh, don't touch hands. Don't do anything. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it is disconcerting to hear you talk about this, Mark, because uh, if you're not out there driving, you're not making money, you don't have the income, you, you know, you can't pay the basic bills. Uh, I know a lot of people in a similar situation. My wife, uh, she's a, got a hair, she's a hairdresser, she has a beauty shop, that shop's closed, and nobody's giving us money. So it's, that's the other uh, obvious uh, That is scare. the second punch. The first punch is coronavirus, is very real, but that second punch is uppercut could be this economic uh recession that we're in now and could hopefully not an economic collapse it's a one-two punch and it's i don't know it may take us a whole year to get through this yeah and and that's why see this is what scares me about uh the way donald trump is handling it. and and it's it's like it's like i was talking about with maya there's been this it's like an evolution of this country's attitude uh, toward this threat. We, you know, it's it's not something people took really serious at first. It was distant. It was like Donald Trump, somebody made the joke. I can't remember. It was like Donald Trump's attitude was, well, there's an ocean between us and Asia. You get what I'm saying? So it's not coming to the United States. Uh, so we don't have to worry about it. like that ocean is going to protect us. And uh, that's this notion. So people are going about their lives, going, you know, go watching sporting events, going to stadiums, going to bars, et cetera, and so forth. And now with, you know, as the coronavirus becomes more real and hits us uh, like within our cities, it's like here and folks, their attitudes are slowly starting to change. And so I never got the sense that the people who are in charge uh, on the federal level actually saw this as the threat it is. And like I said, I've been watching this evolution uh, of them toward uh, accepting it as a threat. And the same thing here on the local level, Mark. When I'm watching the squabble breaking out today between Pritzker and the Chicago Board of Election Commissioners over whether we should have had an election, I'm like, fellas, you should have been on the same page a week ago. You get what I'm saying? There's, I just yeah, don't get the sense that there's so leadership. Fast. This thing is moving so fast, man. It's really fast. But before I get off this phone and your fine program, I want to talk about your buddy. Rahm Emanuel. Okay. Listen right. to me, because you, you go with this seriously, because what did Rahm say? Uh, never waste a serious crisis. Or never let a serious crisis go to waste. That never let a serious crisis go to waste. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that people who are looking beyond, I know that it's going to be some, some, you know, some weeping in national teeth for the next month or so, hopefully another couple of weeks, and that's it. But we need, we need to figure out what we're going to do after this crisis, because this, we do need a stronger safety net, Medicare for all that want it. You know what I'm saying? We need when UBI. 
this, you know, a lot of folks who didn't vote for, I voted for Bernie Sanders for president, but a lot of folks didn't vote for Bernie Sanders, but we need Bernie Sanders. Uh, it's not so much Bernie Sanders, because Bernie Sanders may not be the nominee. The people need to be pushing these Bernie Sanders ideals and UBI ideals and Andrew Yang, all these ideals to build a stronger safety net and a stronger health care system. This is this is what we have to push for uh, Mr. Biden as he tries to maybe go back to the center in August. Hopefully he'll move uh, to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left. And hopefully if this thing, hopefully this thing is over with, because I like your buddy, David Seaton. David Seaton was on the show the other day. Yeah. We talked about the uh, the possibility that Trump can, uh, you know, shut down, call a national emergency and stop the election in November. So we hope this stuff is really gets over in a week or two. Otherwise, we're headed for some really crazy time. Well, well that uh, crazier than it is now. Yeah, crazier. Da- David Seaton mentioned that uh, in the, the interview that dropped uh, this Sunday. Uh, and uh, I know that Donald Trump should not have the capability to do that. And there would be a constitutional fight if he tried to do that. Uh, and, and that's part of the reason why I was reluctant to call off the election here in Illinois. Uh, Mark, it's sort of like a setting, you know, as a precedent, setting a precedent to closing and delaying elections, calling them off. Uh, I just wish that it had their act together more. Uh, but yeah, no, you're hitting on the head in terms of Biden and Bernie. Uh, I watched the debate on Sunday. I'm glad to hear that you voted for Bernie. I really appreciate that. Uh, did you vote for him last time or did you vote for uh, Hillary? I can't remember. No, I voted for Bernie. In 2016? Okay. I just can't remember. But. But the thing is, is what, this is what I saw uh, in that debate on Sunday. I saw Joe Biden sort of vacillating between uh, two factors. One was the old Joe Biden, who was saying that Bernie's ideas are impractical as he, Joe Biden, tried to position himself as a centrist to win the centrist vote and isolate Bernie as this extremist. And then I saw the new Joe Biden, who realizes he has to pick up some Bernie supporters and also realizes that is if he's the president of the United States to get us out of this mess, he's going to have to adopt some of Bernie's ideas. And he can't just write them off as extremists because they're needed in this country right now. So I'm watching Joe Biden struggle with all these things, stay true to himself. He really, he was like, he's a little like me, uh, Mark, in terms of whether I can't make up my mind, whether we should have closed the, called off the election. You get what I'm saying? He's like blowing in the breeze a little bit. Uh, and so I'm hoping, this is why I voted for Bernie today. I really do, well, I like Bernie, but I, I'm hoping that Bernie can push Joe Biden to the left. We hope so. We'll talk about him picking a vice president long after this crisis is over. But, you know, I'm, I wanted to be in the studio because I want to meet Henry Davis Jr. Yeah. in the studio. Yeah. He's been on my guest on my podcast. Just a few questions. Just a few questions on YouTube. Wait, what's that <laughs> podcast called again? Just a few questions. Mark Sims, just a few questions on YouTube. Uh, OK. <laughs> Henry Davis is, is, is great. And I, 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 I should just drive to South. I told him to go to South Bend and meet him in person. And also your buddy Sergio Mims just sent me a Facebook message. Say, hi, everybody who's listening and watching. Hi. Hi, Ben. Hi, Dennis. Oh, That's yeah. Sergio Mims was on the show Friday, and uh, he was the one who made the prediction uh, as to who uh, Joe Biden would uh, take as his running mate. And uh, he then sent me another text today saying that his prediction that he made on uh, Friday, he's not even uh, standing by anymore. He has a new prediction. So I just like, Sergio, get out of the prediction game. All no, right. No, Sergio, <laughs> on my podcast, Sergio Mim said that uh, Joe Biden's going to pick uh, uh, Warren. 
warrant for vice president, which is very cool if he did. When when did he say that? That was a few weeks ago on my oh, podcast. Well, okay, he's blowing in the breeze. He's vacillating no. even more than I am in terms but, of but whether the, we should. But the governor of Michigan is a good pick. It doesn't matter. The, the trick about him is that Joe Biden has to be pushed to the left. He will have the he will want to go back to the center as normal candidates do. But we got to keep him to the left. And this crisis is a, like Rahm Emanuel said, don't let this crisis go to waste. This is a really good time. And it's a terrible crisis. But it should it proves that we should move into the left of this this country to the left, to the left, to the left. All right. Listen, when. Uh, I just happened to mention this in a column I wrote when uh, I quoted that uh, Rom saying that we should never let a good crisis go to waste. And then I pointed out that as mayor, the crisis that Rom uh, contended we were facing, so budgetary crisis, where he uses excuses to do things he shouldn't have done, like close schools, like close clinics, like go to regressive taxes that hit uh, working people and middle class people the hardest, poor people the hardest. So he used crises that were manufactured to come up with programs and proposals that nobody wanted in the first place. I'm hoping that this, the, the Democratic Party, and if Joe Biden is the head of the ticket, uh, then Joe Biden and whoever his running mate is use this very real crisis to bring in some Bernie-style programs that they wouldn't ordinarily embrace. You know what I'm saying? So Medicare for all. Not Medicare for all who want it. Medicare for all you want, it just means the status quo. So some people have a good insurance plan. Some people don't have a good insurance plan. So that's what I'm hoping uh, that people get real uh, at this moment of crises, Mark Sims, and uh, and not go back to the same old games where they pretend that the problems aren't as severe as they are. It's up to the public. The public has to demand it. It's like Rom. Rom understand the masses. The masses don't vote. Most people don't vote in political elections like today and in November. They won't. So the masses have to demand it. Otherwise, the politicians like Joe Biden are not going to do it. Yeah. By the way, let me just say this about election turnout. Uh, Maya and I were talking about this earlier, and she was saying the coronavirus is going to keep people from voting. I just want to point out there was no coronavirus uh, in uh, the, when was it, uh, April of last year when we had a mayoral election and the turnout was 35%. There was no coronavirus in February when the turnout was in the mid-30s for the first round of the presidential. There was no coronavirus in 2018 when the turnout for the uh, gubernatorial election was low. So election turnouts are low pretty much year after year, election after election, and there's no coronavirus to blame it on. I think there's a greater problem that people aren't inspired. People are alienated from the process, Mark Sims, and that's why they're not voting. Uh, hopeless people, hopeless people don't vote. I pushed up. I, I post this video all the time on social media. It's from Tony Ben, the late, great Tony Ben, MP, uh, uh, member of parliament, if you will, mm-hmm. from the, uh, from the great Britain. And this is from the movie Sicko, the movie Sicko, you know, yeah, Michael, Michael Moore's Moore. movie. Mm-hmm. And he said, hopeless people don't vote. Yeah. And they hope. tend not to. Hopeless people don't vote. So you're going to say, uh, who, as long as you're willing to say who you voted, who'd you vote for, for state's attorney? I told you, Kim Fox, because she was cursing on your show. <laughs> she was so good. She was so much better on your show than on the uh, on the commercials. Like she said, she can't come out. She, I'm paraphrasing what she said. Yeah. She cannot come out as an angry black woman. And, you know, when you talk to your peeps in Lakeview and they say, oh, you know, what's the young man who's running with his daddy from uh, uh, Bill Conway, uh, Bill Conway. Uh, his commercials are good, but, you know, he's such a nice boy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've talked to people. Because you know I'm a social scientist too, uh-huh. and, and a lot of folk, a lot of Chicagoans don't know anything about um, 
social justice or social justice reform, criminal justice reform. They don't understand that we shouldn't be locking up, you know, small time offenders in jail, wasting wasting all this taxpayer money. money. And so, but they care more. I'm serious. Just a little sampling. There's a people out here. I don't know if they're going to vote. I don't know if they're going to vote. They may stay at home. They care more about juicy Smollett than criminal justice reform. Well, because it doesn't touch their life. And this is the point I was making. It's like when we started going back to yesterday when I said, uh, Mark, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going crazy sitting in the house. And you said, well, you're a lucky guy. You have the freedom to go outside and walk in your neighborhood because there's no one that's going to hit you over the head or the likely, likelihood of that happening is not going to deter you. It hasn't happened enough so that you're afraid to do it. And I thought a lot about what you said. I'm like, ah, there's things I take for granted that I have that are just, I think everybody should have. But obviously, it varies neighborhood to neighborhood and community to community. And I think that's a perfect analogy. And I thank you for pointing that out to me uh, for the situation with Kim Fox. So, you know, a North Side voter who does not is not likely to ever have any encounter with the criminal justice system, which was a North Side voter who was perfectly free to smoke reefer for the last four or five years without ever getting busted and having, having to go in to uh, be part of the criminal justice system, you know, is free to take really seriously this manufactured crises, this manufactured scandal over Juicy Smollett. Do you follow what I'm saying? But you, on the other hand, cannot. Uh, people, they, they think that, and then they still tell me, well, you know, Kim is corrupt. Juicy Smollett? Come on, give me a break. <laughs> I mean, he, he, want, he wasn't even supposed to go to jail. He should apologize, and they were all blown away, but he didn't because he a goofball. But the point is that people don't understand the criminal justice system until they have family or friends or themselves been arrested by the police or had to go to jail or almost went to jail, whatever. And they had a good taste of the system. They, were, they wouldn't be so hung up on Juicy Smollett. All right, Mark Sims, we're going to uh, take a break. Jesse and, for those who don't know the joke. Yeah, no, uh, and uh, Dave Chappelle joke. I urge everybody when they're not listening to the show to check out Dave Chappelle. Uh, Mark, hopefully uh, this this will pass, and the next time that you're on the show, we could be in the studio like the old times, and you could be sharing the cookies that you bring and the uh, and the snacks man, that you bring. I, I, sure, I sure hope so, man, because this thing, if I don't get back to work in a week or so, man, I, I it's going to get nasty in this country. Well, uh, I'm thinking what we're going to do is check in with you from time to time to see how it's going, uh, because absolutely, uh, there has to be some kind of relief for folks like you in the gig economy who are depending on going out and driving people from point A to point B. Uh, and if they just shut down, if essentially nobody's uh, taking there's freelancers, there's artists, there's musicians, there are bartenders. I heard about bartenders. There are some bartenders are scared to go to the doctor because yeah. they don't have health care. Yeah, this is insane, people. So let's move Joe Biden to the left. Move Joe Biden to the left. Thank you very much, Mark Sims. I'm glad you're on the left. Uh, and we have Henry Davis. We're going to bring him on when we return. Actually, we're just going to call him up right now. Bro. Oh, yeah. I love when you do this stuff. OK. <laughs> Yeah, it's a different day here on the Ben Jarowski Show. Okay, so we did Google uh, a Google call with Maya. We did a Facebook call with Mark. Let's just go for the trifecta and uh, do a Skype with Henry Davis Jr. What do you say, Ben? <laughs> Sounds good, man. All right, I'm going to tell him to call me on Skype, and we will see what happens. Mark, are you still there? I don't know how. I, I don't even how to cut the damn thing off. How to cut I, I'm how to trying to figure out how to cut it off too, man. man right. I don't know how to cut it back. How do you work this? Dude? I don't know. Just hit, hang up. 
out. I'll, I'll try to figure it out. All, all right. So hopefully, uh, he'd hang up. <laughs> It's an interesting day today, people. Yeah. Uh, let's go over to the live stream chat while we wait here. Uh, we got a few people weighing in here. How about uh, Kyle? Kyle says, I don't think Biden wants to go back to the center. I think Biden wants to jab someone in the chest, call them Jack, and challenge them to a push-up contest. What do you think about that, Ben? Well, I think that Joe Biden, that's like the colorful side of Joe Biden that I almost find uh entertaining and it's it's part of the reason why joe biden was always one of my he's always like lingering around fourth or third in my list a ranking of uh favorite candidates uh, politically speaking joe biden is too far to the right in my humble opinion from where this country should be right now where the democratic party should be right now so i am truly hoping that if only for pragmatic practical reasons to get uh to bring over Bernie votes, and also to recognize the dire straits that we're in, Joe Biden will move to the left. I do not believe he has some strong ideological opposition uh, to the things that Bernie Sanders is calling for. I think it's rooted in just like most conventional thinking in the world. I'm hoping that's the case. Uh, I used to say that about Rom all the time. I used to have arguments with my lefty friends about Rom. I go, Rom doesn't really have an ideology. Rom is just looking out for what's in his best interest. And at the moment, he seems to think this uh, middle of the road conventional wisdom uh, is the way to go. But if you if he thought differently, he would move left. I came to think that no, Rom actually came to believe this garbage he was espousing. I never saw him actually uh, embrace anything remotely resembling a, a Bernie Sanders uh, viewpoint. So I'm hoping that Joe Biden is more what open-minded uh, than Rahm Emanuel, less ideological, ideologically anchored uh, in moderate Republican programs like Mitt Romney-style programs, and that he is open to something like a Medicare for all uh, or paid sick leave. Paid sick leave. Paid sick leave. It's just devastating at this time of crucial need uh, that we're struggling with. Hum which sector of the economy is going oh. to get a guaranteed sick leave? Is this working, Dave? It's Henry Davis. Let's see if we can get him. All right. Hello? Hello? Dennis? Hey, yeah. what's up, Henry? <laughs> Finally got it, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sounds good. We're live on the air, man. How's it going? It, it was the wrong one. All right, about yourself, brother. I'm right, doing good, doing good. Uh, well, I'm going to throw you on hold here. Uh, we're going to take a break. Ben's going to... I don't see you. Oh, that's okay. That's fine. Right. Uh, face for radio. Uh, we're going to take a break. Um, Ben's going to wash his hands. He's really old. He's got to take care of himself. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> hey, come on now. We got to look out for old Benny J here. And we'll be right back. So hang tight, Henry. Don't start that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, D. Yeah? Did I tell you that the Ben Jarofsky Show is sponsored by Rattleback Records? No. Well, it is. Rattleback Records at 5405 North Clark Street is Andersonville's full-service record store. Hey, D. Did I tell you it was voted one of Chicago's best record stores in the 2019 Chicago Reader Poll? No. Well, it was. Wow. Rattleback Records, 5405 North Clark Street. Used and new LPs and 45s. They got CDs, DVDs, books, gifts, and much more. For more information, contact them at rattlebackrecords.com. That's R-A-T-T-L-E-B-A-C-K Records. Dot com. All right, it's voting day here in Illinois, and if you are on your way to the polls, first off, sanitize, social distance, watch yourself, 
and wash yourself. Also, if you're needing some info on some of the elections going on last minute, well, don't worry. We got your back. Chicago Reader's backroom deal. Maya Dukmasova and Ben Jarofsky, what they do is they uh, provided you with 10 episodes. Uh, each episode is a particular election going on in the Illinois primaries. Maybe you already voted. Still a good listen. You should listen to it anyway. But if you've yet to vote and you're still not sure on what to vote for, go download these podcasts, chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Ben Jarofsky is back. His hands are clean. Our host is taking care of himself. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Every break time, Dennis goes, get there, wash those hands. You know I don't know. We've scrubbed down every tabletop here. We even scrubbed the Harold Washington statue we have. and uh, But yet, I, I'm dutifully washing hands. Everybody's worried about me because I'm so old. Henry Davis, are you on the phone? Yeah, oh, I'm here. Are you here? Are you, are you worried about me, too? About being No, uh, sir. I know you're going to take good care of yourself. All right. Very good. Henry Davis, uh, uh, this is his, uh, I think, fourth visit to the show. First time not in the studio. I miss you, Henry. Uh, like, hey, man, same here. Same sentiments. Uh, in, in the last couple of visits, uh, you brought your dad. Uh, he never would speak. He would just sit here and just beam thoughts, which I kind of picked up on while he was sitting there. So I cannot wait till this crisis passes and you and your dad will be back in the studio visiting with us. Let's make it happen. All right, let's make it happen. Let's talk about politics. Uh, as f- folks who are maybe hearing Henry for the first time, I have not heard him on the bonus segments. Uh, he is a councilman in South Bend, Indiana. Yes, the same town that produced uh, Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete. Uh, Henry ran against Mayor Pete in 2015. Not the biggest fan of uh, Mayor Pete uh, and was not the biggest supporter, to put it mildly, of Mayor Pete's uh, campaign, his presidential campaign, which, of course, ended a couple of weeks ago. Seems like ancient history. So, Henry, before uh, we take the, the dive into the political issues of the day and talk about Biden versus Bernie, any final thoughts on Mayor Pete's presidential campaign? It's over with. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I really don't have too much more. I mean, it is over with. I was being, you know, funny saying that. Uh, don't know if that was poor taste or not, but it's, it's absolutely over with. And um, uh, the problem that we're having now is trying to figure out why is America so in love with the status quo as it relates to what Bernie is bringing to the table versus Biden. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, um, you kind of wish that you still had some interference from other candidates so the conversation could continue to build. But at this point in time, it just seems like... Um, I don't know. Farewell, Mayor Pete. I saw him on Jimmy Kimmel. Did you check him out? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I did see, I saw his opening uh, bit. I did not see the interviews he did. Uh, did you think he was funny? No, I didn't. Uh, I, you know, what happens is that they're trying to turn him into some sort of like, I don't know what you want to call it, you know, um, but they're trying to produce a person that doesn't exist. He's not um that funny let alone being that personable so it's probably be hard for him to translate from this well-read um, politician to uh this guy who can host talk show um or or late night talk shows well henry we were kind of inspired here on our show we were going to ask you to host uh the ben jarofsky show 
<laughs> well, it, I, yeah, I can make that happen, man. You know, I have no problem with that. But see, um, I, I, <laughs> I wasn't a manufactured character uh, on on uh, on the public scene. You know, I came in and I wanted to seek out change, and I was. I think that I like to believe that I'm a real person. So uh, yeah, yeah, let's make it happen, man. It probably be a lot more fun. I'm probably pull more ratings than Ben has. <laughs> oh, there we go. Let's trash talking. <laughs> trash talking from South Bend, Indiana. Uh, before we completely leave Pete behind, the issue that that we always raise when we talked about his campaign with you uh, is his inability to win over black support in his hometown, South Bend, Indiana, which is about 25% black. And so I think that hurt Pete more than anything else when it came to turning around and picking up black support outside of South Bend, Indiana, if you follow me, during the campaign. He was always polling low. And just on a practical level, I always thought he, the first thing he would have done is turn to like someone like you and call and talk to you uh, before he ran to try to like smooth things out. You know, I remember when Barack Obama was uh, decided he was going to run for president in 2007, uh, Henry, one of the first things he did was he cut a deal with Mayor Daley. They were not the closest of allies uh, up until that point, but he figured he needed that support on the local level so that people wouldn't say, well, why isn't the mayor of your hometown for you? So do you follow what I'm saying, Henry? I, I would have thought that no, he would No, I mean, you, you usually try to go, uh, go back and um, patch up any, you know, um, bad relationships or tie up any loose ends before you try to move on to, you know, higher levels because some of those things that you may have stepped on or forgotten about or, or, you know, just turned a blind eye to could potentially hurt you later on. Um, and people always say, you know, you, you never um, burn bridges because you may have to cross back over them. But, you know, I, look, that that's what he chose to do. Um, I mean, I would have done it, but then you want to talk about privilege at that point and that he probably never had to do that and felt like that he didn't need to do it. So he wasn't going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, when you know better, you usually do better. And that's, you know, how, you know, I state things. If you know better, you usually do better. All right. Uh, so uh, since he left the stage, we have two candidates in the race, obviously Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden. Did you watch Sunday's debate by any chance? Yeah, that was some boring stuff, man. I mean, look, no, I shouldn't say boring. I should say that was boring because you were looking at two guys who were like very old <laughs> and very pale uh, talk about the issues. A person like me who was more interested in actually that that kind of that sort of a conversation, not because of the visual, but because they were able to dig in without the interference of an audience mm -hmm. clapping or cheering or, you know, doing things to excite each candidate. So what occurs is that a candidate will hear the cloud cheering. They're going to try to stick to those points. Um, and so if you hear a crowd booing, obviously you're going to get away from those points. We actually had an opportunity to hear directly from those candidates without being um, excited or incited by an audience, so it actually helped to even hit hit the inner, hit the hit the issues properly. It, it, it did. I think it did. I think they probably need to do that more. Well, I, the the point I've been raising, uh, the point uh, that I took away was, I believe that Joe Biden is going to be the the Democratic nominee. I think that's pretty clear. 
But I believe that Bernie Sanders should stay in a race. I probably voted for him today, uh, Henry, because I feel it's incumbent upon the Democratic Party to have some kind of unity when they head into the election against Trump in terms of what their values are, what their principles are, what they're standing for. And what I saw coming into this uh, one-on-one showdown between Bernie and uh, Joe Biden was a divide in which the centrist element of the party was saying that Bernie's too extreme. I feel with the coronavirus uh, scare in front of us, Bernie's, Bernie's ideas don't seem that extreme anymore. Do you think Joe will move left? Uh, no, I mean, he, he will not. He will not. He's still talking about marijuana as a gateway drug. I mean, this is the problem uh, that we're having with American politics and these guys who will not um, relent or change their ways of doing business. Uh, he's interested in continuing the same status quo behavior um, that obviously kept him in office all of these years. So he probably feels feels like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, but America, America is broken. Uh, America needs uh, a revolution. Um, the majority of America and Americans need better health care or need access to health care. Uh, they need better jobs. They need access to uh, quality education that doesn't, you know, a bank corrupt them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they need uh, better public schools. Um, so, you know, if you're not interested in having those discussions, then obviously Joe Biden is completely against it for whatever reason, because he's just too busy, you know, smiling and and, and swearing that, you know, he has a cure. Um, we're going to get the same thing. And I think that that's why you have an introduction of a Trump and why Trump continues to show himself to be strong in certain circles, because people are tired of that status quo stuff that Biden is pushing. Again, I'm not against Biden. I'm not in love with him. But I think Biden um, has a lot to be desired when it comes to how America looks right now and, and versus what it looked like 30, 40 years ago. Um, I, th- I don't think that he's, you know, up to 2000, up to 2020. I think he's probably back in the 1980s still or something, unfortunately. in mm-hmm. uh, uh, up until the uh, South Carolina primary joe biden was on the ropes and as we talk about on the show uh once black voters uh started voting once states where black voters uh heavily reside in got their opportunity to participate joe biden's uh career was resuscitated uh based on what you just said i find it so ironic that it would be black voters that would come to the aid of Joe Biden and save his campaign. At the precise time you're saying what we need is somebody who's got a little bolder, more modern uh, view of things. Uh, were you surprised by the black support for Joe Biden? Do you think it... Uh, uh, no, I was disappointed. I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think last time I was on your show, I talked about this. I said something about black people being the biggest supporters or some of the strongest supporters of white supremacy. It sounds harsh, but it's the truth. I can't like allow. I can't talk about the man walking on my back if I don't allow him to walk on my back. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to like you know put ourselves in the equation as well. How do we perceive ourselves being a part of the problem or a part of the solution? 
And I don't think that many African Americans or black people perceive themselves as a part of either or. They think that they are just supposed to support candidates, whether they've been supporting them for uh, however many decades it's been, and everything will get be a okay. And then not only that, my time, you know, in in, in politics, I continue to hear people, and even to the current day, especially black people. Um, Talk about how they are going to do stuff, not 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 them themselves being they, they being some sort of like extraterrestrial being um, is going to like do this or do that. I keep hearing about how they are going to declare martial law because of this coronavirus, how they are going to um, uh, declare uh, these curfews, how they are going to. Uh, make sure that we don't have uh, uh, any jobs anymore, how they are going to make sure that we're going to be in concentration camps at the end of this. And I and, and it drives me nuts to even believe and think that people are still on that they thing when they've had so many opportunities to get involved and to fight for what they need and to also get what they need. It's like that they like many of who I'm talking about and it's African American voters are only interested in being carried along versus carrying it along mm-hmm. or changing it. It's scary. You said something of uh, black people being the biggest supporter of white supremacy. Go into that a little more. Well, it doesn't exist without it. We have to in some way, shape or form be a part of that problem. Um, Again, that they thing. Uh, you know what they go do you if you st- so look. Henry Davis is in office. Henry Davis is uh, quite aggressive for the people that vote him in, into office. Henry Davis is a black male who is uh, very young compared to you know the total field of candidates or, or, or representatives. So Henry Davis is out there pushing for the needs and support of his constituency base. Henry Davis is uh, will and does not mind calling press conferences or or writing into laws, new ordinances, or or you know challenging the uh, establishment. Mm-hmm. On the now, th- this is for people who voted me into office. At that very moment of me doing these things or working to get these things done or engaging my colleagues in getting these things done. You will have black people. I'm I'm serious. You have black people show up or I will run to them in the grocery store or at the barbershop. Man, you know what they go do to you? They again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know, who are they? Who is they? First of all, second of all, my job is to do these things. Well, you know, Henry, man, you know what they do to us when we do those things. So it's this fear of they. They is, and it also equals uh, the white supremacy thing that I was talking about. It's like permission has to be asked in order to do the job that you're supposed to be doing. And if you don't ask for, for permission from them or they, you know they or them will turn into the boogeyman and come and get you. And I just don't believe that. I can't operate like that. And nothing gets done if we do believe and operate in that paradigm with that frame of thought. Fear of they. Do you think that's keeping uh, voter turnout low? Fear of they? 
No, what's keeping voter turnout low is apathy. Apathy has turned is continuing to uh, drop voter voter participation because some people do participate and they really expect a little bit more out of the process and they just quit because they're not getting um, the the uh, the the results that they're looking for. Now they may have a problem with that, meaning they I'm talking about the subject matter of they may. Um, play in part to people in their apathy. Um, but I think the voter turnout being low is something that is continuing to be passed down. And so I just talked myself into a corner. You are right. That is the answer. They have allowed they to come in and tell them not to participate. Oh, You're well, completely right. Yeah. You're I, completely, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I think the cornerstone of Donald Trump's campaign regarding uh, black voters is to feed a sense of alienation and apathy and indifference. Like there's no difference between one or the other. In fact, the Democrats are so bad, they might as well just vote for me. Uh, I'm not promising you anything. I'm not going to do anything for you, but at least I'm not a Democrat. Uh, or And that just leads people to say, well, it's hopeless, so I'm not going to vote uh, for either candidate, uh, Donald Trump, uh, or a Democrat, I'm just going to stay at home. That, so to feel, uh, it feeds a sense of hopelessness. I don't know if it's a fear. If I, you know, you're talking about a fear. Like if you participate in the process, something will happen to you. I don't know if it's a fear. I just have a sense that it's a, I, I, my view of it is, is it's a sense of like alienation and hopelessness. That's how I view it, Henry. Yeah, it's, it, it, it runs together. I agree with you. It, it runs together. I'm only I can only speak for some of my experiences and I see people and I've heard people have that idea of the fear thing happening. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we're, we're fresh off of, you know, um, Jimmy Crow laws or we're fresh off of some sort of plantation. And, you know, these rules still apply, Henry. You can't you can't um, really rock the boat like that because they're going to come and get you. And also what you just explained. So I, they're coupled. You know, they run hand in hand. Mm -hmm. um, probably it's not as much as the things that I'm talking about being fearful or scared. Uh, but those things do exist. Now the fear has actually turned into, well, they won't do it. Or they are not going to do it. Or the most classic one that I get is they are not going to allow you to do it, Henry. Yeah, I, I hear that one, too. I, people uh, tell me that all the time, that I'm, I'm being too unrealistic uh, in, in the things I advocate. And I heard that a lot in this campaign, Henry, in 2016 as well, about Bernie Sanders. It's unrealistic. You can't ask for uh, college tuition, free college tuition for public schools. That's too unrealistic. You can't ask for Medicare for all. It's too expensive. It's too unrealistic. You can't ask uh, for paid leave, sick leave. It's too unrealistic. You're not going to get it. I hear that constantly. And now we're in this crisis and suddenly, well, oh, we need it. Do you follow what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that nuts? Isn't yeah. that just nuts? And I think people really forget that they are playing a part in what goes on. That's the, one of the other issues that I, you know, I, I, I'm paying attention to. Uh, and I liken it to this discussion. I was talking to um, one of my buddies uh, about a couple of weeks ago, actually, and, and we were talking about um, church. And we were talking about pastors and, and, and um, 
laymen in the church and we were, you know, talking between that and also what the Bible, you know, speaks of or what's written. And a lot of what was written is, you know, they talk about uh, some of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and how their religious dialogue in, in the context of their religious uh, efforts uh, were leading their people or their congress into, you know, these holes. And I was saying, well, yeah, but the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all these people that are in the Bible, um, do are they? Does that translate into current day? And so we went back and forth about, you know, the idea of it being current day. And I just bottom line it. I said, they're still talking about some of these pastors that we deal with. They're still talking about some of these laymen that we deal with. I, I, it, the Bible is almost like a timeless uh, 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 piece of literature that continues to avail itself to be you know, very consistent of what happened during these times. And I, we can't keep uh, uh, divorcing ourselves or disassociating ourselves from um, what this is. We are a part of it. It's not them over there. It's all of us. You know, and Bernie's been very good about that. It's, it's, it's not what he says. It's not me. It's us. Mm-hmm. So we have to take on, uh, uh, take uh, pick up this mantle and, and put on our superhero suits, um, strap our boots on, and we have to go to work. You know, we can't continue to make it seem like that our level of participation um, doesn't count or we're not a part of the movement. Uh, we have to, you know, be a part of the movement because we are in the movement. Mm. Whether it's movement or not, we are still a part of it. And it's not them over there. It's us. It's all of us. Mm. Uh, I'm going to close by asking you a couple of coronavirus questions. You are uh, you live in South Bend. In... Multiple choice. What's that? A multiple choice. A multiple choice. Oh no, it's not a test. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to ask you this. Uh, Donald Trump has uh, turned things over to Mike Pence, his vice president, uh, to sort of oversee the government's response to the coronavirus uh, scare. Uh, Mike Pence, of course, is the, used to be the governor of the state of Indiana, which is where you live. So as a resident of Indiana, as an elected official in Indiana, as a man who was born and raised in the state of Indiana, are, do you have renewed confidence in our government's ability to deal with this crisis, given the fact that Mike Pence is in charge? <laughs> That's a load of questions, Ben. <laughs> uh, how long do I get to answer that? As long as you want. Oh, man. No, I, I don't want that long, man. Give me about 10 seconds. No, I don't have a re- renewed sense of anything. Uh, it's more of the same. You know, yesterday, uh, Jackie Walorski came, which is our congresswoman, mm-hmm. came to South Bend, and she met us at the county city building to talk about um, all of these new federal um, monies and ideas that are being um, voted upon uh, in D.C. Uh, to help support all of us during this uh, pandemic. And um, she did not make me feel any more comfortable than I did before I showed up. You know, I'm glad, I'm glad that she was there and we were able to ask her questions. But no, I, I'm not. I don't. I do not feel any more comfortable. Um, nor am I any more fearful. Uh, I think I'm just a little bit more like you know, more the same. You know, you guys, you know, need to get together or get out the way. Um, but no, I'm not scared. I, I just feel like you know, it's just time for a change, a real change, not a status quo um, lateral move over. Uh, I, I'm I'm actually interested in the change, a real change. I need to hear somebody talk about what this really means 
and what we are going to do to help satisfy the American public, not you know just some gibberish or some boilerplate answer that makes people stop asking questions because they're sick of you being very repetitive. So the answer is no. Okay, and uh, a final point. Uh, Joe Biden says he's going to uh, pick a woman as his running mate. Uh, is there anybody that you would recommend? Who cares? That's the problem. Again, we're back at that identity politic thing. Now, I, look, look, I, I probably will catch some flack from my sister for saying it. Like I know that you are. Because, <laughs> it, but look, it, but see, you know, this is where the, the road divides for me with some people. Uh-huh. And I'm being completely honest. I am like so tired of a person being able to show up and say, hey, I'm going to pick a woman president. No, no, no. I'm going to pick a black woman as my VP candidate and people go crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, there's no vetting. There's no idea of who this person is, but as long as she shows up black in the VP, we're going to make sure we get Biden into office. We're not, again, we're not talking about health care anymore. We're not talking about public education anymore. We're not talking about black men, unarmed black men being killed by police. We're not talking about any of those things. We start talking about, once again, what that looks like. And that's a white guy that's well beyond his years talking about he's going to pick a black woman to be his running mate. I just saw that on Django. A couple of weeks ago. <laughs> wait, what, <laughs> wait a minute. All of a sudden did. you made that transition to Django. No, I'm serious. I did. I said, look. <laughs> yeah. I did. It, it sounds crazy, but it's the truth. Turn Django on. Uh-huh. And, and there's a scene. Well, there's a few scenes on there, but it's a scene on there when these two black men are like these Mandingo warriors beating each other up to the death. Yes. Right. For their entertainment. Uh-huh. And there's this pretty black woman over in the corner that is having her fun because she's allowed to drink and dress however she chooses to to hang out with Candyman or for Candyland. The guy I, that I actually, Leonardo, you, you know the. Characters. I remember the scene. I know that I've seen yeah, the movie so, so many so times. It, it keeps playing back and forth. You keep having the same characters. Uh, and, and, and you almost you used to say you change his faces or anything, but no, it's not really changing faces. You get to see the same thing over and over again. And I'm not asking for a hero. I'm not asking him to save me. I am saying, can we do better than we've than what we've done for the last two, three, four hundred years? Mm-hmm. Can we do anything different? Yeah. And can we do better? Yeah. By the it, way, it, it's, just, it's, just, it's, it's blowing my mind. Why can't that black woman be the president? Is the question I ask. Yeah. Why does she have to be vice president? He's better off going to find a white man. That that's in his nineties and bringing him in as the vice president. <laughs> but but I way, mean, let me just make this. Uh, Joe Biden say he was did not say he was going to uh, pick a black woman. He just said a woman. Okay, so he didn't say well, black. All woman. the other reports are saying black woman. Stacey Abrams, Georgia, and then this is uh, this 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 lady that's from uh, Florida who's a, a congresswoman. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name Val right Demings. now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, her, but and so she's like a, a law and order person. Yes. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about this. <laughs> and it's not funny. It's 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 almost insane. Yes, I would love to see diversity at that level. Yes, I would love to see a, a black woman president of the United States of America. But you know what? I want to see most. I want to see a leader that has a heart for the people of America. That's what I want to see. 
Well, that's why I urge Joe Biden to move left on his policies. I believe uh, that's the way to go. I never viewed the black vote for Joe Biden as a vote against Bernie Sanders policies. And this is an argument I've had with many guests who've come on this show, Henry. Uh, some of my guests come on the show and say, Ben, you, you, you don't understand. Black people are too pragmatic. They don't believe in these kind of policies. They, uh, they think they'll, they'll never be achieved. So they're, they're, uh, but that's true. We're a very conservative demographic, a very conservative democratic demographic. And that's why the, the idea of African-Americans being in the democratic party doesn't really make sense. That's why you will hear, you know, when it's time for, you know, the the Republican side to talk about it. Well, Martin Luther King Jr. was a Republican, you know. So, and as those things may be as true as the day is 24 hours long, African Americans are a very conservative uh, group of voters, and they're not only so as conservative, but they use their religious context and, and also influence and also their Jesus to define how they move about. I'm not saying there's something wrong with that. Mm. Believe me, I'm not. I know, I know what saying, you're saying. I'm just, I'm just talking about that voter. Yeah, that's a, uh, a certain segment that you're alluding to. And I, I always re- I say this. I've, had this. I've used this line a dozen times. I'll use it a dozen times more. In 1988, Jesse Lewis Jackson ran for president on a platform that was Bernie before Bernie. And he got yeah. the overwhelming support of black voters. So it's not like black voters all of a sudden became middle of the road centrists. There's been political transformations that have occurred in this country where the Democratic Party as a whole has signed on to these centrist points of view and sold it to its constituents as the way to win an election. And people buy into this. And so in many cases, they support policies that they don't even like because they think it's the way to win. I think it's a trick bag that the Democrats have gotten themselves in, and I, I wish they could break free of it. But I think that's the game that's happening right now, Henry. Well, hey, man, look, uh, <laughs> you're right. There's a game there. I, I think I just think that there's a spirit that rules over uh, uh, the people that I represent, and um, it's taking some time for us to overcome it. It's taking us quite some time to overcome it. And, and time is moving very fast now. So we're going to have to figure it out and, and wake up and start fighting again. Because if we don't, we're going to be, um, we won't even be back at the bus. We'll be off the bus. Very well put. Henry Davis, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I'm disappointed that you could not be in the studio. Uh, well, you told me I couldn't come. What's that? You said I know. That, uh, the corona, you didn't want me to bring the corona in your office. I, I, well, the beer, not the virus. I, for the record, <laughs> Henry was willing to come. He's young, he feels strong, uh, and uh, he feels uh, unbeatable. But I was the one who said, nope, stay in South Bend. Let's let this crisis pass. We'll bring you back when it's safer. That's what I so the no, no, I appreciate that. And we have to um, be cognizant of what's happening, what's going on, and not be reckless with our time and who we are. No, I believe that. I, I'm just poking fun. I know at you're you, making man. fun of me. And uh, next time he comes in, he's going to bring his dad, and we're going to put his dad on the microphone and hear what he has to say. Uh, well, you, my dad used to come, and I'll just sit. You know, I, I'll go down <laughs> street to the local pub, and, and I'll. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he can take over. All right, very good. Henry Davis Jr., thank you so much. I appreciate it. 
Uh, I want to thank Mark Sims and Amaya and, of course, the man, the myth, the legend who got us sued today, Dr. Hey, D. Ooh, before we get out of here, uh, we'll hear, okay. we want to remind everybody as well. First off, we did it. Yeah, we did, man. Three that calls. Unbelievable. I think the Facebook uh, was the best so far, but Mark had a microphone hooked up, so we're going to see how Mark it goes. Sims. We're going to try. Uh, but we did all three there, Google, Facebook, and Skype. Shout out to Henry, Mark, and Maya. Wait, for, which one was Maya on? I can't remember. She was on Google. Google. Okay. I'm feeling Google. <laughs> Google, come on, up your game, Okay. <laughs> we're gonna try facebook tomorrow uh shout out to everybody who's on the live stream chat if you're listening to this right now and you haven't hit like hit like all right turns out that's pretty helpful to us so hit like i see 32 people watching and only eight likes come on 32 <laughs> likes uh let's see here following comes from the hill.com treasury secretary steve munchen said today that the trump administration wants to send checks to americans in the next two weeks in order to address the economic impact of the coronavirus outbreak uh here's the quote from munchen quote you think of this as something like business interruption payments uh for the american workers yeah well uh obviously it's needed and uh, I just, it's interesting. Listen, the government has to respond. This is a crisis. Mark Sims talked about it. People like him, they have no livelihood uh, when the economy shuts down. Folks aren't taking Ubers or Lyfts. And uh, so they need help. We can't just let a huge segment of our population just fall off the face of the earth. And so, yes, this has to be done. It's just, I have to tell you, D. The fact that it just took us this long to get to this point is very frustrating. Uh, on the local level, the fact that it, our, our governor and our board of election commissioners are squabbling over who did what and who didn't do what with this election shows they're not on the same page. So it doesn't give me a lot of tremendous confidence that the folks are working together uh, to get us through this. And uh, be, by the way, it'll be really curious to see whether they get the Republic. Republicans are great at like things like tax breaks for wealthy people. Are they great at something like paid leave? You know, like paid leave is a necessity even when we don't have the coronavirus. So I'm a little hesitant to jump on the bandwagon and start cheering the Republicans on. And it looks like uh, Amazon just uh, gave an update as well. Let me uh, check that before we roll out. Oh, they're holding, here. they're hiring more people. Uh no, actually, uh, the opposite. They said they're hiring more people. Then all of a sudden, it says here they're suspending delivery of non-household items and medical uh, products immediately. So it looks like uh, Amazon is on delay as well. And uh, we want to remind everybody one more time that uh, we're going to be doing. Uh, you can't spell quarantine without Q and A special question and answer that's what we're trying to do here feel free to go to the uh find us on email bennyjshow at gmail.com reach out to us send us a question comment complaint a picture uh audio you can just it could be a word it doesn't have to be a, a a real word it could be anything just send it our way and we will read it for our benny j you can't spell quarantine without q a special bennyjshow at gmail.com b-e-n-n-y the letter j show at gmail.com all right very good and as i was saying I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would not be possible, particularly today when we had to deal with phone calls. Good God, we'll get over it. Uh, and uh, whoever's, who, there's no one in the studio to turn to. Usually I turn to, a, like I pretend Henry Davis is sitting right there. As you know, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Seriously, Show at gmail.com. Hit us up, send us your questions, comments, or whatever, and we will record a Q&A special. Downloaders, we live stream this program Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Come hell or high water, all right? At both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. We will see you tomorrow. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. That's correct.